Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. What do Elon Musk, Kirsten Cinema, Raphael Warnock, Herschel Walker, um, the Georgia runoff, Libertarian Party, Bitcoin all have in common, Pat? You might be asking that at home. Or not. Well, guess what? It all has to do with today's Truth or Fiction Tuesday right here on Critical Thinking. That's right. It is a Truth or Fiction Tuesday, Mr. Padoni, alongside moi, Andrew Coppins. You can find me at The Coppins Show on all the social medias with the exception of Instagram, where you can find the show page at Critical Thinking Show. And uh, he is at The Padoni Show. So, uh, welcome to Tuesday, Mr. Padoni. Welcome to Tuesday. Thank you. Um, I have a question, Pat. Uh-huh. When it comes to Elon Musk, have you seen anybody trigger the far left more than Elon Musk has? I, I mean, I, I'm looking at this from the perspective of, like, this was Orange Man, this is Orange Man bad. On steroids. I mean, I think the only the only person I can think of this year that has come close to that is Matt Walsh. Oh, that's a really good point. But I, I also look at it from this perspective that Elon Musk happens to per, potentially be the most hilarious self-own of the left of all time because he's one of them by and large. He is a liberal. The only thing that he believes that's different than the left, by and large, right now, is free speech. If you lined him up on policy and uh, having his druthers on how this would run, he would line up 99% of the time with their policies. Most likely, anyway. Right. And he has said as much. He's like, I am one of you. The only difference is I believe that free speech is how we continue our democracy, and I see a very dark future without it. That's it. That is his only thing that is not left. Now, having said all of that, we have a ton to get into on this Truth or Fiction Tuesday. You want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Either way. Okay, let's go with one of mine. Um. And this happens to deal with the Georgia runoff that we never really talked about last week, uh, other than to mention Herschel 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 Walker got his ass kicked by Raphael Warnock, and um, thus the Senate swings to the Democrats, and not a single incumbent lost a seat, not one, despite seventy nine percent of Americans saying this country sucks right now and we're heading right. in the very very wrong direction. Yet you put the very same people who enacted policies and um, lacked oversight over all of it. Okay. Okay. That's an interesting and bold strategy there, Cotton. Now, having said that, here's my truth or fiction. 
Herschel Walker's loss to Raphael Warnock had nothing to do with the Libertarian Party or Libertarians at all. Because we're seeing the right, we're seeing the the Walker campaign and, and people like Donald Trump, uh, Buck Sexton, Clay Travis, heaping how dare yous onto the Libertarian Party over the loss from Herschel Walker to Raphael Warnock. So my truth or fiction is that it had nothing to do with the Libertarian Party. Truth or fiction? So my, my answer could easily change on this because I haven't seen the, the, the actual breakdown of numbers in terms of what Libertarians did in that election. Okay. So I, so I, can't, I can't say definitively truth or fiction one way or the other. However, if I'm going to go with just my pure gut reaction, I'm going to go with fiction. Mm. because Herschel Walker was an awful candidate of his own so, right. Right. Because, because here's, here's, here's what I would want to see. Not only would I want to see the, the breakdown of what libertarians did in that election in Georgia, but how many independent voters went to more towards Raphael Warnock, how many unaffiliated voters went mm. towards Raphael Warnock. Mm-hmm. And then, then to top that all off, how many voters that are traditionally GOP, and I'm talking about your never Trump, um, John Kasich type voters that How went dare you swear Warnock. like that on this show? How right. dare you swear like that on this show, Pat? I'm sorry. We do not drop F-bombs on this show. We do also not drop John Kasichs on this show. You know oh, that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Sorry. My, my apologies. Five lashes. Look, you give a point. You give a point. Five lashes. Like, from your um, inherently smarter wife. It, you know, my, my wife is smarter. I, I will say that she did finish her master's degree yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to point out that uh, my wife is so smart that uh, she chose me. That might have been the, uh, the I law and the diamond. Twisted. all right that having been said pat um let me give you some information and maybe you can come to a a different or interesting conclusion so i'm gonna go with this being true this has to be true because the libertarians had nothing to do with this now we saw the herschel walker campaign we saw buck sexton clay travis other hmm? that would be fiction wouldn't it no it had nothing to do that was my statement Oh, oh, oh. Herschel Walker's loss had nothing to do with it. Then I went the other way. I I thought I thought it was so I would actually say truth then. Okay. Myself. Okay. So here's here's the number breakdown. In the original um election, how Georgia runs it is it's a single election, no matter who the party is, boom, 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 boom. Everybody's on the on the ballot. You have to get to a fifty percent mark in order to avoid a runoff. In that election, Herschel Walker lost, or well, the Libertarian candidate, who I actually happen to believe is a really potentially good candidate up the food chain in the Libertarian Party, but that's either here nor there. Um, he got eighty-four thousand votes in that election. Okay, Herschel Walker lost by about forty-five thousand. 
So the logic of Herschel Walker's campaign and the Clay Travis's and Buck Sexton's of the world is if, if even if half of you uh, wouldn't have wasted your vote, Herschel Walker would have won and thus Team GOP wins. That doesn't add up. So, okay, that's an interesting scenario. Um, but that's also assuming a lot of things, right? Now, fast forward to the runoff election, Pat. First off, let's back that up. 3.9 million people voted in the original election, okay? Uh-huh. 3.5 million voted in the runoff election. 400,000 people decided to stay home. Mm, mm. Okay. Uh-huh, yeah. And without the libertarian candidate in the picture, Raphael Warnock won by over what? 300,000 votes? It was not close. It was a it was a three percent victory. The suggestion that this is a libertarian issue, that if they would have just gotten out of the way, this would have been a win for Herschel Walker in the first place, is ludicrous. It's absolutely ludicrous. Now, had we had ranked choice voting in effect, maybe you would have seen that uh, scenario play itself out. But Herschel Walker lost the runoff election after coming within, what, a half of a percentage point? By 3%. That is an impossibility. And with 400,000 people staying at home, folks, it is impossible to fathom how in the hell you go from 84,000 to 400,000 people who suddenly showed up as libertarian and thus didn't uh, decided to stay home and protest this election this was a problem of Herschel Walker to your point being one of the worst candidates i have ever seen one of the worst um it is up there with ah uh, who the hell was the there was a candidate in Delaware um, back in like 2010 or 2012 that had a chance to unseat um, one of the senators there. I just the, the name is slipping my memory. She was of remember. the Tea Party kind of wave, but yeah. an absolutely awful candidate. Like she said some of those bat crap crazy things and lost a winnable seat. Herschel Walker lost the seat because he is not a good candidate. He doesn't know his stuff, number one. Number two, he has a ton of baggage. And number three, that baggage was slapping him in the face this entire time. If you want to look at a reason that Herschel Walker lost that runoff, look to the fact that 400,000 people stayed home. That speaks volumes and that speaks all you need to know, because if this was this, if the people of Georgia saw this as we need to save America from the Democrats, right? If that's what the people of Georgia saw, they would have been motivated to vote no matter whom Team GOP put in place, right? Right. Which 
clearly did not happen here. No, because the margin of victory for Raphael Warnock increased. Now, I can tell you that in the Georgia libertarian section of things, it is likely that they are socially conservative and economically liberal. They would have looked at this from the perspective, and by economically liberal, I mean free markets, not socialism. Okay, They would have looked at this election as, I need to vote for Herschel Walker or stay home. Herschel Walker, that let's say it was 40,000 of that 84,000 were going to vote for Herschel Walker. Wouldn't have amounted to a hill of beans. He couldn't turn his own base out. He couldn't turn those independents to him in enough of a fashion. And he turned himself off to many, many people who said, nah, I'm good. I think this is also an interesting case, Pat, for the potential for ranked choice voting becoming a thing in states like Georgia, because um, Brad Raffensperger, um, the favorite secretary of state of Donald John Trump, <laughs> um, oh. he he has proposed potentially three different rule changes to elections to avoid this scenario, because this scenario is very expensive for the state of Georgia, too, by the way in all states that have this type of a system. So he's proposed not one, but two, but three different changes. The number one change is that um, the candidate must get 40. We, we're going to move the threshold from 50 to 45% during the first one. Um, during the, the second option is um, just redoing the election. And then third is we're going to immediately go to a runoff vis-a-vis ranked choice voting. And for those of you at home who are unfamiliar with ranked choice voting, and this is a large libertarian platform piece, it is how they believe they can influence an election. So what would happen is that all candidates get thrown into the pile. You must meet a certain threshold. And if you are not one of the top two original vote getters, so the first place vote getter, um, what would happen in a runoff with like 10 candidates, right? 10th place gets eliminated. The That individual's ballots then go to whomever was second place on their ranked choice. You get three choices. So you get your first, your second, and your third choice, okay? Out of all right. the candidates. If you are... If you are the last place of those candidates, they go down to your second place, okay, until there's a winner at 50%. So it's not until there's an actual winner. It is until somebody has achieved majority. So, for instance, in this case, right, if you're the libertarian, you are incentivized to vote for the libertarian over Herschel Walker first, right? Why is that an important incentive? Because you know that if you put Herschel Walker second, it is likely that, um, you know, in, in this type of a scenario, right, that that candidate is going to then be able to get over that 50% threshold going forward. But you also have the influence of being able to actually vote your conscience and not make a strategic decision, right? You're actually going to be able to vote. Now, 
In this case, I believe this is actually a good way to do this because you are building coalitions. You are building majorities throughout this. And again, I go down to, okay, so you finished dead last, let that write-in ballot, right? Now you've got to rank choice the, the other two. And then, you know, you keep going. So ninth place, then you add those votes. And then eighth place, add those votes, seventh and so on. And you keep adding and adding and adding until somebody gets to 50%. Question yeah. <clears throat> on that. What if all the candidates are bad? Well, that's on you then. That's on you as a state, right? Who cares? Right? What am, I, what am I supposed to do about that? Well, I mean, but if you're an individual that, that you know, didn't. Then don't vote. Then don't vote. If they all suck, don't vote. Right? I, you don't like the libertarian. You don't like this. You don't like that. You don't like this. You don't like that candidate. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Then don't vote. Because guess what? You also still have influence over whom the party in your state elects through primaries and through all this other stuff. Again, ranked choice voting being part of that can also help in a primary. I think this is actually a good sign that they're thinking through the process and how not to rig the game, but how to make it fair. Because what we've seen from the other side is the ability to rig the game, right? Raphael right. Warnock calls himself a pastor and believes in abortion for evs whenever, however, for whomever. Right. You can't square that round peg. You cannot nope. put that square peg into that round hole, right? You, you, that, that doesn't, no, that is not a biblical thing. He is of the ilk of the church of me. I'm going to use the church as the cudgel for you to subscribe to my political belief, not that my political belief ascribes to teachings of Jesus Christ and, and traditional Christianity, the Bible, the text, the word of our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, and God, right? And his and the apostles and the saints. I, I just... So I thought that was interesting. Libertarians yeah. are somehow to blame for Herschel Walker losing by a larger margin with fewer voters. Sure. Okay. No. The, the the numbers do not even add up. And that's that's why I questioned it from the very get-go. I'm like, okay, what are the numbers? But my gut reaction was, yeah, they probably didn't. All right, Pat. So time for your truth or fiction. All righty then. Truth or fiction. Um, we are, truth or fiction, we are seeing the end of cryptocurrency as we know it. Can you state that again, please? Truth or fiction, we are seeing the end of cryptocurrency as we know it. Truth. And this was always the danger of, of that decentralization, is that somebody was going to use it to screw investors. Somebody was going to be the bad actor, right? Right. And what would happen when that happens? What would be the reaction? 
government regulation and central centralization. That's the it is the end. And how do I know it? Because I pulled all my money out of crypto last week. I don't have a, a single dime in crypto anymore. Not one. And it's because I can't trust that any of the exchanges, any, and that includes Coinbase, by the way, which is a very, very, very popular one, owned by buy-ins, owned by companies that are showing to be quite shady. I, I don't think that I can trust that they are doing what they should be doing for their investors, okay? And for the clients that they're serving through their services. More importantly, though, I also pulled it because I don't want the government anywhere near that. It's a sad state, but here's the reality, right? Sam Bakeman Freed or whatever the hell his name is. Um, obviously arrested in the Bahamas on charges in the United States of America. I would suggest, um, why did it take them so long? Uh, number one. And number two, um, weird timing that it happened the day before he was supposed to be testifying before Congress. And whom do we know that um, same bank, Bankman Freed was um, friends with? In well, exposing was, that yeah. friendship and exposing mm -hmm. those ties and the buddy-buddy um, relationship between FTX, uh, SBF, and Democratic Congress people would have been bad, right? right? That, yeah, that would have that would have been bad for business. So just like with the the Epstein situations, just like with all of the other weird politically connected leftists who happen to just disappear into the ether of of the legal system um we see this happen the day before he's supposed to come to the united states of america and testify before congress magically gets to shut up right right that dude's gonna end up in uh, prison for a while if i uh, yeah yeah he's yeah. facing some pretty serious wire fraud charges and stuff like that but but the, the story here is not going to be him. It's going to be the government's reaction to cryptocurrency. I mm. fully believe that this is going to be part and parcel of their move to um, to take over cryptocurrency. They're going to ban it, and then they're going to give themselves their own version of it. They're going to go to a digital currency. They're going to use the backbone of Ethereum and blockchain technology, but they're going to use this as the as the excuse to grab because we are in a fascist state, because we live in a totalitarian state. The government will take this over one way or the other. Either they will so heavily regulate it that the government has, has you know, 90% control, or they're just going to sh shut it down. It's a shame because this had the potential to change the world. And it took one person, one company, 
one bad actor to tear it all down. Just uh, what? Yeah, I you know I I agree with you. I think that this is also truth. Um, I am actually kind of surprised because I thought I thought you might go fiction on this. No, um, but but here's here's the kicker. So, um, this article from the Daily Wire: um, Investors are much more skeptical of crypto after the brutal bear market FTX collapse. Right, like so we we know. Things are happening. Uh, <clears throat> the survey was taken the end of November to the beginning of December, showed that roughly 60% of Americans see the risk of cryptocurrency investments as high, making an increase from 45% in August of last year. Another 26% of cryptocurrencies as moderately risky, while only 10% say the assets carry little to no risk. Um... Younger Americans are most are most likely to hold digital assets. Roughly fifty percent of millennials, those between twenty six and forty one, twelve uh, percent of Gen Z, uh, while less than five percent of baby boomers and the the silent generations are the same. Um, so, just some of these numbers are showing me that, hey, um, crypto is going in the wrong direction at this point. Get out. Um, there's a reason why I never got into crypto. I was I've never been able to fully trust it. I've always thought it was incredibly volatile to begin with. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really easy if you're not careful to lose your ass. So I I see this as I don't necessarily see this as the complete end of crypto, but I do see this as a way, as you said, for the government to take it over, essentially create their own thing, and it'd be heavily, heavily regulated. So I, I agree on all points on that. Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, I just I I I it might not happen overnight. It might not happen no, no, no. you know, next week, next month. I think in the next two years, you'll see the end of it. Right. I, 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 this is classic. This is, this is the, the uh, conditions are perfect for this storm. Right. And, and, and we'll see what happens. Now, that having been said, Pat, it is time for us to play a little bit of the B or not the B. Are you ready? I'm always ready. All right, so today's headline for the B or not the B is customers unenthused by latest American Girl doll, Steve. Customers unenthused by latest American Girl doll, Steve. And while you are thinking about that, folks, if you are looking to potentially move to or from the great city of Chicago, um, I say that tongue-in-cheek, um, I have to say that legally, the great the great city of Chicago, um, please hit me up. Um, I would be Glad to assist you in making that move or that investment or uh, that upgrade of your home or whatever have you. Uh, but you can go to Living in Chicago on um, on the YouTubes. Yes, Living in Chicago on YouTube because it has nothing to do with politics. Um, you can go there. You can check out uh, the different neighborhoods that I'm exploring and, and all the things. 
you could possibly want to know about the Chicago real estate market and living in Chicago more broadly speaking. Go there, check it out, find my information, hit me up, and let me know if you would love to use my real estate services. Again, licensed realtor here in the state of Illinois with Exit Strategy Realty. Hit me up. You can find me, uh, Andrew Coppins Realtor, or just search Andrew Coppins on Instagram or TikTok, or just look up Living in Chicago on YouTube. All right, that having been said, Mr. Pat Oni, do you need the headline one more time? Yeah, one more time. Customers unenthused by latest American Girl doll, Steve. Is that the B or not the B? Your see, final I answer. Could, I could see this being not the B just because you, know, you do have Ken dolls out there. Mm-hmm. Steve as a doll, though. From American Girl. See, that's that's what makes me want to go with not to be. But considering that it is 2022, I'm going to go with the Babylon B. Trust your gut on this one because you are correct. This is the Babylon B. <clears throat> the latest doll from the classic American Girl line is expected to miss projected sales numbers for the holiday season following an unenthusiastic launch. The doll, named Steve, is the company's first openly transgender doll. Boy dolls are not new for the American Girl Company, but they've previously been pitched as companions to the company's main line of dolls. Steve is the first doll to be a girl who's a boy. Quote, Steve is a breakthrough, American Girl President Tilda Jadis told shareholders. Girls can finally take home a doll that is just like them, secretly a man. Sales are admittedly discouraging, she continued, but we're not giving up. Even if it means running this business into the ground, we need to show little girls that gender is a social construct and that they can achieve any gender they want with nothing but a scalpel and a jug of artificial hormones. If they work hard enough, uh, added Jadis, excuse me, Steve is the first American girl doll with no hair. As his backstory says, it all fell out thanks to the puberty blockers. He does, however, sport a full testosterone-induced beard. The doll will also include a variety of rainbow-colored pride wear, a book telling his story, and a scalpel for cutting off various body parts. Employees at the American Girl store in Los Angeles are reportedly instructed to push the doll into shoppers by reminding them they are transphobic if they don't buy it. The efforts so far have not improved sales. At publishing time, American Girls put a hold on plans for a doll named Charlotte, an adult man who believes he's an American Girl doll. The Babylon Bee really should put this into that shared folder of all of the uh, stories that have become true, mm-hmm. because this this is this is a ticking time bomb. This is this is going to be true very soon. Watch it happen. Yeah, yeah. Wow, 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 wee wow. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't imagine this not being true. All right. So we got some more truth or fiction to get to. Thank you for the hundred dollars to Dominic Izzo. We really greatly appreciate it. Um, pay us, pay us, you rat bastard. Pay us. Now, having said that, um, I'm going to go with the world of politics once again and state politics once again, Pat, but this one, Kirsten Cinema's defection from the democratic party is all about winning her next election, not her principles. Truth or fiction? 
Repeat that one more time. I, I didn't quite process all that. Kirsten Cinemas defection from the Democratic Party is all about uh, winning the next election, not about her actual principles. Ooh, that is a great question. Um, I'm ultimately going to go with truth. Okay. Well, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Looking at just what happened in Arizona. What she need to. So uh, this this is this is this is a tough one. I I I, th- I think I'm still going to stick with truth just because I have an inherent distrust of all politicians at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can see where this could be fiction, potentially, considering what just happened in Arizona. However. She, we already know she tends to lean more to the left anyway. And if she has a pulse on the Arizonans aren't on board with a lot of these leftist policies and considering, you know, the, the closeness of Katie Hobbs and, and Carrie Lake and, and what's happening with that. Yeah, it, it might be politically beneficial for her to to play a more moderate role because I think... I think Arizonans will will like that, um, politically speaking, and and will not want to put in someone that is overly partisan. So, okay. And this way, this way, it also kind of shows her record of how she's gone against her own party at times. So I I can see why this is politically expedient for her. I don't think this is about principles. This is about politics. I um I find this one to be true as well. I find this to be a hundred percent true. She fancies herself John McCain in a skirt, if you will. That's who she fancies herself as. Because she sees herself as being able to carve out this maverick, you know, kind of personality, right? And, and you know, we, we talked about the joke, right? She's the first openly bisexual and bi party uh senator in American history now. Ha 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 ha. Ha ha. Um, but here's the reality. She is not going to caucus with the, the Republican Party on about 98% of the stuff that's going to happen in the Senate over the course of the next year and a half. Right? I bet. Am I missing something? No. Okay. And has Kirsten Cinema? Um, disavowed her far left 2018 election positions. Because that's when she was elected, right? It was 2018. No. Yeah. Yeah. 2018. Because she's up for election in 2024. Right. Okay. No, she hasn't. She is at her core, her principles, a leftist. The difference is that she happens to believe in the mechanisms that can help construct legislation that will not be going to the extremes, 
which is weird for me because she has extreme positions unless she is disavowing them, which I've never seen that. I, I can't find it. I Googled it. This is a this is as big of a political calculation as humanly possible. And I firmly believe this has everything to do with her reading the tea leaves in the state of Arizona and going, I can't be Katie Hobbs. I need to be in the middle in order to win. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and this is about winning her primary potentially more than making sure there's no primary more than anything else. Because if you look at her actual voting record, the only thing or the only two things that I can point to that say she's a maverick is that she voted no on impeaching Donald Trump. What about That's build it. back better? She voted no on that too. Didn't um, she? Yeah, you are correct. She, yeah, that didn't even get out of uh, out of filibuster, did it? I don't believe so. But either way, right. that having been said, um, this is about her making sure she avoids a primary and can pivot to being the centrist, the the moderate, except for she's not. And that's the problem that I have with a candidate or a person like this is that there's no principles there. The, the, who are you? Does she even know who she is? And if I'm sending somebody to the Senate, right, if I'm, I'm going to check that box or fill in the dot or make sure that line is all filled in or push the button or whatever have you, right, if I'm going to actually physically give you my vote. I want to know what you stand for. I want to know what it's about. And you simply saying that I will, I believe in bipartisanship is not a policy position. It is not a principle. It's a belief. Belief is not principle and principle is not belief, by the way. There are two different things. I believe in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, whom gives me some of the guiding principles of my life. But my belief in Jesus Christ is not a principle. They're different. Um, so, yeah, I, I firmly believe that. Now, that having been said, Pat, um, here's what I would do if I were the Republican Party right now. And I think they're attempting to do this. If I were smart, Ditch McConnell, right? If I were the smart version of Ditch McConnell, I am backing up the proverbial political dump truck to Joe Manchin's house and telling Joe Manchin, I will give you anything short of House Majority Leader because that's my shit, right? Like that that's my thing. You but I'm going to give you anything that you want. Mm. anything you want for you to become one of us. And here's why I do it. Here's why I do it, Pat. Because now I have the balance of power for two years and then Joe Manchin can get the hell out. I, I Joe Manchin's already said that he has no plans of doing that. Mm, mm -mm. That's not what he said, Pat. Is it not what he no. said? No, he said... I do not plan on doing that yet. There's a yet in there.
Because here's the other part of this, Pat. You need to understand what Joe Manchin. He ain't winning in another election in West Virginia as a Democrat. He won't. He will lose that if he doesn't lose the Democrat after his name. So if I'm Mitch McConnell, come here. Come here. I'm playing. I'm not playing. This isn't about... You know, he believes what we believe all the time, this, that, or the other thing. I am backing that dump truck up to do what? To win. We win politically. And by we, I mean the non-leftists in America. We got the power now. We've won. You want to play Machiavellian uh, elections? You want to play the game, right? You've hooked, lined, and sinkered Joe Manchin. Kamala Harris, get the hell out of our Senate. Right? Because you now not just 50-50'd it, now you've also given Kirsten Cinema all of the ammunition to make sure she votes more with you guys than with the other team. You've put the power in your hands, not the others. That's how you play this game. Because let's not forget, politics is a game. Politics is also serious, but it's also a game. That's what I would do. That's exactly what I would do. Hey, Joe Manchin, I will give you any, any committee assignment, any head of any committee that you want, right? I will give you the highest profile humanly possible. I, You know what? In fact... I will tell you what, we will pony up millions of dollars for you to win your next election in the state of West Virginia, right? If you come to our side. I'm putting on the, the proverbial NBA full court press and free agency, right? I am tampering the shit out of him. Why? Because I win. And my team wins when that happens. It's just that simple. And guess what? It's a mutually beneficial scenario. That's what I do here. Because without Kirsten, had Kirsten Cinema stayed in the Democratic Party, right, Pat? Had she done right. that, what would have happened here? It wouldn't have mattered what Joe Manchin does or doesn't do. Right. It now matter. it does. Now it really does. You back that dump truck full of whatever the hell he wants. Up to his house, and you make it happen. I, I honestly, though, I think this is going to depend on whether Joe Manchin even wants to run again. Yeah, he does. He, He's made that clear too. Okay, yeah, well, Don. He believes it's his duty to be able to do that and and protect democracy and all this other stuff. But your final truth or fiction today, Pat? Well, not final, but your next truth or fiction. Okay, so truth or fiction. The cultural war on wokeness is either defeated or nothing else matters. Hmm. Truth, because politics is downstream of culture all the time. Number one. Right. Um, Culture rules politics, not politics ruling culture. 
Correct. Um, we've talked about us being a country of political will, not laws. Right. But that political will comes from our culture. Um, and either we defeat this fascism before it takes deep, 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 deep root. It's got its grasp, right? We've talked about this. I firmly believe we live in a fascistic country. Because whether it was Democrat or Republican, look what happened with the Twitter files, right? Government right. deciding that it's it's their job to make sure to interact with a publicly traded but private business, right? Yes, you're publicly traded. Okay. But you're still a private business to the government, right? Okay. Look what they did to Twitter and their attempt to I let's put it this way. Twitter it, the, the Twitter files are interesting for me because there's a double-edged um, kind of a situation for every one of these Twitter file stories. A, a great example of this is, yes, the FBI, CIA, the the DNI, you know, all of these departments, all the alphabet soup of the, the bureaucracy attempted to influence and put pressure upon um, Twitter and its executives to make decisions at the behest of the government, right? We know that. Right, that is yeah. 100% true. On the flip side, they took about roughly half of those suggestions and threw them in the garbage. Now, all of the ones they threw in the garbage happened to have been from the left. And that gets into a different story. But, but in order for us to be able to defeat fascism, we have to defeat the culture and the sickness that allowed that fascism to take hold. That authoritarian nature, that belief that government is the answer. We have, we have flipped the role of government in our lives on its head from, from how our republic was founded and how liberty and protection of that exists. We believe the government exists to protect our liberty. No, we exist to make sure the government cannot steal our liberty. Government is meant to protect our liberty, yes, but we are the government, right? And we have reversed the relationship. Our relationship to government is not adversarial. It is a relationship in which government is supposed to do things for us. No, we are supposed to do things to government. And until we do that, we're going down a very, very, very dark, dark road in which I don't know where the end of that is. And if we don't stand up now, and if we don't defeat it now, we're going to suffer through what the history books for a generation are likely to, you know, th this generation, this 20, you know, 2000 to let's say 2050, right? This 50-year period is going to show in the history books 100, 200 years from now to be one of the darkest in, in world history. Not as in the dark ages in which we don't know much about, you know, the advancement of human knowledge, right? Um, even though there's a lot of it, 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 it's just dark because there wasn't a lot written about the times. I mean dark in terms of like horrific human abuses, horrific actions of government. Um, we're going to see things on, on a scale that 
I don't think any of us here right now in our 30s, 40s, 50s could possibly fathom. We already see people suggesting openly, honestly, and not tongue-in-cheek that if you disagree with them, you should be killed. We're already seeing that. Um, in, in another great example of this, Pat, is what we see in our corporate culture, right? The, the, the wokeness, and we've talked about this. Um, a, a great example is look at what's happening with companies who dare to interview or dare to uh, put on people like Elon Musk or you know somebody of that ilk, right? Look at the reaction to, to culturally within the company to something like that. They're being, how dare you expose me to ideas and people that uh, I disagree with? Meanwhile, I mean, think about this. Two, two years ago, Elon Musk was your hero, right? Tesla, SpaceX, and Starlink, and blah, 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 blah. Six months ago, he's your hero because of uh, Ukraine internet, right? Right. And now, all of a sudden, what has changed with Elon Musk? One thing. He believes in free speech absolutism. That's it. And the exposure that you are now getting to ideas that you never knew about or cared about or wanted to expose yourself to or weren't in your silo or or whatever, right? That ex exposing to is, is, oh my God. And your reaction is totalitarianism. Your reaction is authoritarianism, fascism, right? Government has to protect me from speech. I don't know. Government must uh, must uh, censor and potentially kill those whom I disagree with. No, 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 no. That's wrong. You're wrong. We're going down an ugly path. What say you, though? Uh, this is definitely truth. And uh, where I started with this was very similar to where you started in that, you know, politics is always downstream of culture. You know, politics is influenced by culture, not the other way around. And it always uh, has been, by the way. Right, always has been. And, and just we look at our foundational. Continue. Just look at the look at the founding of America, and mm. tell me that that was not influenced by the culture of the time, which would have Absolutely. been what? Absolutely biblical. It would have been biblical at the time. Right. Well, and then on top of all of that, uh, we are a nation of political will. We are not a nation of laws, as you said. But this is this has been why, like, I've always liked Elon Musk personally. Like, I think a lot of the stuff that he's done with, like, Tesla, SpaceX, all that stuff is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but I have also known, like, okay, politically speaking, like, he's very different than me. He's probably the opposite of me in most regards. Correct. Um, however, we are aligned on on this. And I'm okay with that. Um, I'm okay with him throwing a wrench in the system and blowing crap up at Twitter for the sake of doing what's right here. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it's not even about, for me, it's not even about just speech in of itself. It's about doing what's right. It's about keeping our country. And the only way that we do that is in part maintaining this idea of freedom of speech and, and giving people a platform to be able to say whatever they want. Sure. Yep. 100%. Regardless of how crazy it might be. 
hundred percent. All right. So guess what, folks? We got a little bit of time, so we're gonna both give uh, each other a short uh, bonus truth or fiction. Uh Okay. That being said, mine is this uh, concept of narrative bias or narrative poisoning that we're seeing uh, become a trend uh, or trending topic on Twitter, ironically. Uh, But narrative bias or poisoning is no excuse for intentional actions meant to ensure that one side wins. One more one more time. The the concept of narrative poisoning or uh, narrative bias, Mm. right? Narrative bias or narrative poisoning, whichever one you want to use, is no excuse for people's intentional actions. That one sided. The Twitter files, if you will. If, if I'm understanding this correctly. Yep. Um, I'm going to go with truth. Okay. And maybe I inartfully explained this. Mm. So let me, let me put it this way. Okay. We are seeing a lot of libertarian people. We are seeing a lot of the critical thinking crowd, if you will, on Twitter, believing that there was a, a, a simple, blind spot right for the the people because they have a narrative bias or or they're poisoned by narrative in which their actions that just so happened to always go one direction right was simply Mm. because they were poisoned by narrative nope okay nope why no no way and I'm saying this just because we, from what we've seen come out from the Twitter files and what, what what we have actually seen evidence-wise of what happened over there. Okay. This isn't narrative bias. This isn't, uh-uh. This is blatant disregard for one side of speech. Blatantly. They are they are flat out censoring. This is not this is not, oh, I believe in this narrative versus that narrative. This is this is I'm I'm trying to poison said narrative, and I'm also trying to censor the other side. Flat out. Okay. So I can understand that people would have a blind spot, and because we all have biases. Sure. By the right. way, we all do. And and part of what I hate about the DEI crowd, right? Right. Oh my gosh. Is the idea that biases are always inherently bad and negative. No, they're not. No, they're actually not. In some cases, yes, they are. And it's important to understand our own blind spots, right? I get that. But there is a difference between having a a political viewpoint or a narrative viewpoint, right? And then using that viewpoint in order to wage what you believe to be a moral war if you will, right? So my, because here's the the rub with the leftists today. And, and, you know, I talked to my wife about this the other day, Pat. I think I've brought this up on the show as well. When I look at this from a critical thinking perspective, why is it only one way, right? So you must subscribe and affirm my way of believing on a topic on um, politics or gender theory or this or that or whatever, right? Affirm me or you're a bigot, right? Right. Okay. 
So let's take that a step further with the Twitter wars, right? Or the Twitter files, if you will. What do we see there? We see their belief that I am morally superior to you because of X, Y, Z, right? Number one. Number two, we see intentional action. Let's be clear on this. We see individuals taking individual and sometimes collective action on people, businesses, accounts, intentionally. There is no, we're going to, there's no, the algorithm, right? There's not an engineering problem with this. And primarily, why was Twitter so successful at the very get-go? It's because Jack Dorsey and his engineering team created one of the best communication apps of all time, right? Engineering-wise, the algorithm, the ability to see the world and, and trending topics and figure out a hashtag, who the hell knew what a hashtag was prior to Twitter, right? How did, right. They, how did they figure all that out? Engineering, right? This was a brilliant engineering company. But over the last four or five years, it's become a people company, a culture company, right? And if you don't affirm their belief system, what did they do with that? It wasn't that they unintentionally shifted the algorithm, right? It's not that the algorithm, that be, it's not that their political biases or narrative thought processes um, created a blind spot in the algorithm, right? An unintentional right. situation in which, hey, my hands are off of this, right? I don't have anything to do with this. This has everything to do with, with my, um, with how we've structured the algorithm. And now that I see that, now that I see the blind spot, I can fix it, right? It has nothing to do with that. Every single part of the Twitter files that we have seen indicates that people took direct action based on their narrative poisoning. They took intentional actions. This wasn't just a, we're going to reduce the volume of all accounts talking about this. No, no, no. A, a really great example of this is that they were using trending topics, right? And only the trending topic that would be... So a, a great example of this is stop the steel pack. Because this was a people problem, not an engineering problem, what ended up happening? There's a There was an account on Twitter and a company that was named Stop the Steel. Stop the Steel was a cryptocurrency exchange, Pat. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Guess what happened to them? Uh, they don't exist anymore, do they? Correct. They don't exist, not because of the product. They don't exist because Twitter decided that um, anything that included the hashtag stop the steal, anything that included stop the steal in the text um, or an account that had stop the steal would be have their volume, you know, their their ability, the, all the reductions, right? Uh, bans on search, trending topics, all of that sort of stuff. That is an intentional action. You. You took input information and outputted an action. That's not just oopsies. I had a narrative and I missed that. That was I have a narrative and thus um, 
no, we're not going to allow anything like this. There, there was no carve out for. Wait a second, we need we need to separate politics from from a uh, a great example of this, right? What if uh, what if there's a baseball team, Pat? Here would be a great example. What if there was a baseball team, and they were playing small ball, right? And by small ball, I mean they would hit the ball into the outfield or you know, base hits all the time and then move runners over by stealing bases and bunting and, and doing all of the things that would manufacture runs instead of, you know, going for the long ball, right? Going for the home run hitting all the time. That is a very infamous and famous way to play baseball, right? right. That's kind of how the Oakland A's became a, the money ball, you know, all that sort of stuff, right? All the analytics involved in the game today. That they're trying to take out of the game now. But anyway, um, my point being, if you created a trending hashtag about that team saying stop the steal, right? If you wanted to talk about, let's say, the Oakland A's becoming the like the Ricky Henderson year, right? Where he broke the record for stolen bases, right? If if, if Twitter was around then and you put stop the steal on, has nothing to do with politics, has nothing to do with January 6th or anything like that. It has everything to do with my team stopping Ricky Henderson from getting that, that record. Twitter would ban it. It's not that they have narrative poisoning. It's that they've took, taken intentional action based off of their politics without regard for anything else. That's not just narrative poisoning. That is not just they're full of of poisonous narrative right that because that's what narrative poisoning is about right it's it's about the fact that they've got a bias and they they they're so poisoned with it they can't see the forest through the trees it's it's that they used that poison to spread that poison to their company to their actions intentionally these are things that were done on purpose they they purposefully decided that libs of TikTok would be in a separate category. They purposely decided that Donald John Trump gets an exclusion from every other policy and procedure within Twitter's operating you know manifesto, if you will, its terms of service. Oops, you get a different you you are treated differently, not because of your importance, not because of anything else other than we don't like your politics. And we don't like what happened on January 6th, so we're going to create something brand new, and uh, we're going to fix the problem that we see, because we're the moral people, and only our morality can be amplified. And I go back to this, right? It is always one way with the left. Affirm my belief, right? Affirm me. Affirm what I believe. But be damned your be damned your belief. I can't, I don't have to. Okay, so if I went up there and I, a great example of this, if I went to a company, right, and I said, affirm my Bible study now. I demand on the clock Bible study every single day and I get to chant and um, and sing the songs, you know, of, of Jesus Christ. In the office, on company time, affirm me. What would they tell me to do? Get bent, get lost, you're fired, right? Right. Except for the other side is telling me, 
I have to affirm your gender theory, your this, your that. Otherwise, I'm a bigot. But you can't, but I can't be, ask you to affirm how I see the world. People, diverse viewpoints are a, a godsend to companies. They really are because they help you with this very problem, this narrative poisoning that existed at Twitter. The diversity of viewpoints would have created an issue. They would have flagged this as a problem that could have been solved by engineering. Why? Because engineering takes your bias out. Now, can you tweak the engineering so that, oh, wait, maybe this is too broad. Maybe we need to find a way to be more specific on how we're handling this or how do we interpret speech to mean one thing versus another? Yes, you could do that. But that's an engineering culture, not a people culture. That having been said, Pat, um, your actual final bonus, truth or fiction. I'm going to go to world sports here. Woohoo! Truth or fiction. Mm -hmm. This will be Aaron Rodgers last year as a quarterback in the NFL, and Jordan Love wants to leave the Green Bay Packers. Fiction. And therefore, you, have to, you will have to find a new quarterback. Fiction. Okay. Fiction, fiction, fiction. Fiction. Okay. Um, so number one, I, I believe that the first part of this statement is correct, that this will be the last year for Aaron Rodgers in the NFL. I mean, he's giving every indication of that. We're seeing the dec decline of his skill set. Um, you know, I, I don't think he wants to go the Tom Brady route of just playing to play. Um, that's just not who he is. He's got way more interests outside of the world of, of football these days. That having been said, yeah, there's reports that Jordan Love is is as might ask for a trade in the offseason, but it's only predicated on the fact that um that's what's going to be best for his career if Aaron Rodgers is still in the Green Bay Packers organization. Right? If if I'm Jordan Love, I have now sat my entire rookie contract without being able to to show off my skill set. If I if I stay one more year without being able to start, without being able to be halftime starter or whatever have you right so if i'm jordan love hell yes i want to trade in the offseason if, if aaron Rodgers is still in the green bay packers organization because it's my effing life it's my career you don't get to play god with that i get to decide i need to go somewhere where i can showcase and have an option and an opportunity to win a starting job absolutely i would do that now a uh, thing that I believe is that Aaron Rodgers is not going to be here. So Jordan Love demanding a trade won't actually happen. It's all speculation and bullshit right now. Do, do you think that you will at least draft a quarterback in the offseason, yes, though? 100%. You have to. You have to because with Jordan Love, you can't just hand him the job. This is the thing with, with the, the Aaron Rodgers whole situation, right? Mm. We have no, we had no idea way back in the day, that Aaron Rodgers was going to be as good as he became. But what did we do? We drafted a quarterback, not in the first or second round, but I believe in the fourth round, the year that he became a starter, to push him. More importantly, there was still Brett Favre in the picture, right? Right. So 
you have to you have to give yourself some insurance. And more importantly, who the hell's a backup to Jordan Love? You, so you, you have to give yourself the opportunity to succeed because you don't know that Jordan Love will be a successful quarterback. I would suggest that what we have seen in a small sample size this year is a different quarterback than what we saw when he played in Kansas City last year, right? He True. looks way True. more confident. He looks less unsure and unsteady in the pocket, and he looks more sure about his decision-making. That was abundantly clear. You, we've all known that he has the arm talent. That was on display in droves at Utah State, right? We all know that that exists. The question mark with him was the decision-making. And we've seen him progress and progress that direction. I, I just I don't see a world in which so the only the only scenario, there are two scenarios at play. Aaron Rodgers stays, Jordan Love goes. That's that's a likely scenario. Aaron Rodgers leaves, Jordan Love stays. That's the other scenario. The there's nothing in the middle in which Aaron Rodgers is, you know, gone and Jordan Love is gone. That that doesn't happen. There's no way. Because <laughs> even if you draft a quarterback in the first round, let's say if you're Green Bay, right? You draft a quarterback in the first round. Okay. Now you've also put yourself in a position to be able to trade one of those two players. Should one of them not pan out? If 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 I'm Green Bay, though, I think I, I'm going to try to draft somebody like a CJ Stroud or a Stenson Bennett or, you know, one of those four Heisman candidates if you can. Is, is Stroud even eligible? To be drafted, yeah. Uh, I, I, my guess is he, he's been in the uh, college for two years. So, yeah, but it was it a redshirt freshman? Is he a redshirt sophomore? No. Yeah, so he has to stay another year. You have to be three well, years removed. Been, I don't from, know. I don't, you have to be three years I, I, removed from high school. Well, here, here's the thing. He's he wouldn't commit to playing in a non-college football playoff game. Because of potential NFL draft prospects, so yeah, I'm just saying if he's not yeah. a redshirt sophomore or above that, he's right. got to be either be a sophomore or a junior, a redshirt sophomore or a junior to be able to be drafted. That's all I'm saying. I, yeah, I, I wasn't I, sure about that because I, I know I'm, that I'm, he played as a freshman, right? And I wasn't sure if it was right. his redshirt year or not. But anyway, uh, yeah, if you're Green Bay, you've got to go after a dynamic quarterback. But Jordan Love has that to him. Jordan Love is not right. a statue. In any way, shape, or form. But I, I firmly believe if you put AJ Dillon, uh, Aaron Jones, and a mobile quarterback back there, oh, you holy believe. Yeah. You have a triple option run game that you could run out of out of the shotgun. <laughs> and oh, by the way, I can take the take the top off the defense anytime I want. Because I've got uh Christian Watson with four two blazing speed and Romeo Dubs or Dobbs. Um as well. Oh boy. That offense looks very different than the one that we see with Aaron Rodgers and his inability to move anymore. And by the way, can we talk about the fact that uh holy bleep does Brock Purdy look great? My my Iowa State boy. Um man was that fun to watch. Here's the thing. Uh he keeps playing like that. He should be the starter in San Francisco. Yeah. Like hands yeah. down. Yep. So and he's going to get every opportunity. There's going to be some ups and downs, but if he shows the the progression or he shows that this isn't just his top, right? Like this isn't like the Graham Mertz versus Illinois 
of his NFL career. And for those of you who don't know that reference, that's a Wisconsin quarterback who decided to throw four touchdowns, 350 yards in his debut as a redshirt freshman um, against Illinois and then completely imploded from there for the next three years. Yeah. Uh-huh. <sighs> I don't I don't I, see that from Brock Purdy. I, I, and I, I never saw well, that when he was at Iowa State. I, I was like, how the hell is he Mr. Irrelevant? But whatever. Here, here's my thing. If he's going to be successful in San Francisco, he's going to beat someone tougher than Tampa Bay right now. Tampa Bay is kind of old, old and washed up. Like I, I think he needs to play someone that is going to really challenge him. To yeah, really and I show don't know that if that part. exists on their schedule right now. It, it probably does not. Not at this point in the season. Yeah, and um, it'll be interesting to see what my Green Bay Packers do because if they can run the the table here. I said this last night to a friend of mine as we were uh, chit-chatting uh, back home, and I just said, watch the Green Bay Packers like get within one game and then bleep it up, right? And, and screw themselves out of a top 10 draft pick, and suddenly they're picking like number 20. <laughs> like, you rat bastards. <laughs> yeah. At this point, the Detroit Lions are going to have a better record than you, though. Potentially. Yeah. But by the way, the Chicago Bears still suck. Um, they are the only team in the NFC eliminated from playoff contention at this point in time. Choke on that. Yeah. And with that, yeah. Pat, your final thoughts. Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. And guys, just don't buy. Don't buy any Barbie dolls named Steve for Pete's sakes. Funny you should mention that, Pat, because it is your 13th day of your birthday month. Son of a and bitch. wouldn't, wouldn't you know, part. I've sent you an American Girl Steve doll. You son of a bitch. Mainly because it looks a lot like you. It's got a red beard. Bro. Got a red I'm a beard. Dude. Hands Steve. down. Steve. And with that, folks, please be smart, be safe, be kind. As always, make sure you eat all your meals today in Matthew 547. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.